We're motherfucking rolling for another episode of Modern Guilt, episode 40. Four zero. I don't know why that number feels like it has significance, but it does feel a little bit like that. Because you'll be 40 one mm. day, and I'll be 40 one day. And when you say this is the 40th Makes episode... Makes you think of that. Face the dark, disturbing mm. reality. Or, uh, you know, I'll be 40 one day and you'll be 41. Uh, just pointing that out. <laughs> True. Yeah. Uh, it must feel good that you can always hold that over. Oh, head. well, it must feel no, good no, that you can always hold one more year of wisdom over my head. Um, yeah, more experiences so. lived and lessons learned, theoretically. Yeah. This is just like the ultimate um, helping hands relationship. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. W- welcome you into 41. Yeah. Um, so in the last week or so, I went to Sydney for a little bit uh, to visit a mutual friend of ours with my wife. So that was sick. So the episode's coming a bit late because uh, we've been both gallivanting in our respective manners. Mm. But in the meantime, yeah. uh, while we've been waiting to record the announcement, was made that the travel bubble between Australia and New Zealand is official and locked in. Uh, do, can you re- remember the date that they have in mind, the start date? April 19th. April 19th. Is the date that the mighty Anzac reunion will commence uh, and, you know, our countries will bond. But, I mean, they probably won't because there's a stupid feud between morons and Aussie and morons in New Zealand that, um, you know, People seem to think that we're rival countries, but the degenerates between us know that we're not rival countries. In fact, we have strong kinships with one another. Absolutely. I think Australia is uh, God's own country. Every time I'm there, I get treated with such fantastic respect that it uh, always makes me smile. Australia is not a bad country, man. Richest country in the world um, per capita. Really? Yeah. 100%, man. Richer than, yeah, all other countries. Uh, I don't know why I felt the need to define that, but anyway. So yeah, for for our like US or European listeners or African listeners, Australia and New Zealand are like a three-hour flight between one another, depending on which city you're flying into. Sometimes three and a half, sometimes four, um, and obviously like we share enormous uh, a large demographic of expats on both sides of the Tasman Sea, so. The travel bubble um, between the two countries is sort of a big deal in our neck of the woods. Um, a lot of like tourism going both ways every year is really important to the economies of both countries as well. Um, so it'll be nice to have it rolling again. And uh, maybe our listeners will care, maybe they won't. But Damon has just announced that he is planning to uh, set foot on Australian shores in maybe Let's... maybe June, meaning okay. we're going to be re- reunited uh, for the first time in years to record our first episode in person, yep. which will be a thrill. I showed up in Brisbane and I sent a uh, stupid text message to Hayden saying, Wee <laughs> <laughs> And you're like, uh, not much. And I was like, oh, I'm in Brizzy. <laughs> Can I crash on your couch? It's true. It happened. <laughs> um, yeah. A little more warning will be given this time. Yeah, and yeah. And the first live episode of Modern Guilt. Um, perhaps pay for view if you're around <laughs> <laughs> Looking at you, Hudson. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, yeah. We could, uh, we could actually invite Michael along. I, I think uh, like this justifies me finally pulling the trigger on one of those roadcasters, you know, the, uh, the podcast equipment that I've been kind of like trying to justify buying for so long. Um, I think that'll be, yeah, it'd be nice if we're going to do it in person to have some, some yeah. proper shit. Um, right now we just record the most lo-fi trash podcast on like our phones using fucking just our headphones. Everywhere. Exactly. Um, yeah, the modern guilt peep show, maybe even televised, coming live to you. Uh, only that would reveal what we look like, and we're monsters. So, <laughs> <you know. laughs> 
Hey, that would actually be be quite nice. Maybe we could do a live stream of some sort. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not. I don't know if anybody wants to see what we look like, but yeah, whatever. Can, I don't know. Throw some coins at us. It seems those um, cam girls do reasonably well. So mm, yeah. We'll do true. Reasonably well. Anyway, um, this wouldn't be the first time we've fucked on camera. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, we'll see where we get to. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking connection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I saw that uh the New York the New York Times published an opinion piece by Brett Stevens um with the headline Biden should finish the wall or the next Trump will um which is interesting um the Dems are finally admitting that uh the situation on the border is way the fuck out of control and that maybe a wall wouldn't be the worst thing um he cites this car accident which um happened recently where a van packed full of 30 illegal immigrants um like drove through a border crossing in california and hit a fucking truck on the highway and 12 people like instantly died and a 13th person died uh in hospital directly after um and you know illegal immigrants um whose lives could have been saved if there was some sort of uh, barrier to entry, um, both literally and metaphorically. But really interesting that uh, they kind of use the, what's the word? I guess like the looming threat of like another Trump as the motivation for doing it. So like rather they're not, they're kind of like using this like Trojan horse kind of narrative where they're, they're like, we're not actually admitting that we need a border wall. We're just saying that Biden should build the wall before someone else does because Biden will do it better and it's okay if he does it, which is yeah. <laughs> pretty fucking absurd. Well, I saw that kids with kids in cages uh, was rebranded recently as well. Um, to yeah, uh, I think like, it was just like unaccompanied minor overflow facilities or something <laughs> like that. I, I think. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's just in the way yeah. you spin it. Yeah, you know, um, that that's that's it's interesting. It's it's one of those things that it's like endless fuel um, for the like spin that they're hoping to inject into the economy. But uh, you know, into the economy, sorry, in, into the fucking uh, discourse. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just such a ludicrous fucking uh, sideshow. But people lap it up, right? Like I haven't seen much negative attention yet. Yeah, yeah. You know? um... Something that I thought was quite interesting is that um, Brett uses the the comparison between like the 2015 uh, refugee crisis in uh, Europe, where a lot of refugees were leaving from like Iraq and Syria and the surrounding area to fleeing from the Syrian civil war and the rampage that ISIS was on back then, um, trying to get to safety in Europe. And he, he makes this point where he says that uh, if if we continue to allow immigrants, or sorry, I should say illegal immigrants to just pour over the, the southern border, then the United States will find itself with like a Europe situation on its hands where these far right-wing political movements gain steam um, on the back of the frustration of the population um, in response to these like, you know, um, refugee or illegal immigrant overflows. And it's it's, I find it interesting because he, in saying that, you're almost admitting that it's a problem that needs to be solved. Because, like, you're saying, like, yeah, when heaps of illegal immigrants enter a place, bad things happen. Like, there are bad, yeah. there are responses to that event that are, like, ultimately harmful. And why, would, why wouldn't we want to avert some situation in which, like, far-right political parties who probably have, like, murky agendas start to gain traction on, like, an anti- refugee or anti-immigration narrative or um agenda i should say um and uh, it, this whole like think piece seems to me just like a, a dog chasing its tail like it's kind of completely self-defeating and, and unusual yeah i wonder who they will be getting to do the uh, actual work behind the infrastructure plan should they go ahead <laughs> and build this wall <laughs> Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, um, another it's thing. Convenient arguments for now, and they become massively inconvenient. It's easy to scapegoat it with a fucking 
you know, like, oh, what if this leads to Trump 2.0? We have to keep them out just in case people get shitty about it. And yet conveniently ignore the central problem that's existed forever, which is that they fucking offshored all the jobs and they decimated the Rust Belt and they fucked everyone over since the 1980s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got nothing to do with, like, you know, they took our jobs mentality. Uh, oh, sorry, anyway, ran over. Uh, um, what were you going to say? Oh, no, don't be, don't apologize. Um, yeah. I was just going to say an, another pretty absurd point made uh, in this piece is that uh, he, he makes the argument that building the wall will be like a good infrastructure and sti like a economic stimulus move. <laughs> They're like, yeah, sure, building a border wall will create jobs and like business, but don't act like it's some huge boon to the economy because like a thousand guys are building a wall. You know, yeah. like let's just be real about what you're talking about here. Like, don't you don't need to dress it up as something that it's not. Well, and Americans, like you know, like probably a lot of them don't want that job. You know, it's the same thing here. What's interesting to note about this is that um, if we're gonna like can draw an analogy between what's happened in Christchurch and what's happened over in the states, is since the earthquake. Uh, happened, decimated the majority of Christchurch. For anybody that doesn't know, there was a big earthquake in Christchurch and kind of like flattened the city. Um, and then there was a huge amount of money coming into Christchurch being like, we need to rebuild, build Christchurch back better than it was before, blah, blah, blah. Um, but uh, th there's like a central problem within New Zealand is that um, a lot of Kiwis don't like working the jobs that that would rebuild the city so there's also a, like a really strong anti-immigration stance here um christchurch in new zealand at large like it's a pretty fucking racist country uh pe people like hate on asians and, and everything like that and that's pr pretty undeniably you know present everywhere um one of our politicians had famously warned of the like asian invasion within new zealand was that winston Peters? yeah winnie p yeah um you know but so that whole narrative was very conveniently put aside when the Christchurch rebuild had to happen and they loosened up the requirements for visas. And we've had this huge influx of like Filipino and migrant workers to basically do the building. And it's interesting because this is the same thing that happened in the 1980s where there was this like uh, uh, event called the Don Reds, whereas again, like there's a lot of labor needed for these infrastructure projects and like the, the, undeniable truth is like most people don't want to do them right because they're sort of like lower paid and they're actually like hard ass work you know if anybody's done hard fucking labor you know what i mean um and so who's gonna pick the jobs up immigrants right because mm -hmm. <laughs> they'll fucking do it because they happen to get the higher wages so yeah you can like and and what happened with the dawn raids is the moment there was all these like uh, Samoan and Pacific Islanders and shit around and the work had kind of like started to dry up, they basically just kicked everyone out and just round them up. It was just like, right, you're going straight back home, motherfucker. <laughs> you know? Fucking hell. So we had like a similar thing here. Where we've got like a really big Filipino population now in, in Christchurch, which is awesome. I love it because, you know, they inject more culture and they've got good food and it's nice to see. Uh, some demographic changes and everything. But Absolutely. Yeah. Um, hey, I, <laughs> let's find out. <laughs> yeah, we will find out. Um, I'd also like to just give a shout out to us who um, <laughs> in, in an earlier podcast, you know, we, we talked about um, and gave an overview of the immigration crisis happening in Central America and, and Latin America at the moment where you have these compounding um effects of climate change and increased violence and um sort of just social rot in central american countries causing unprecedented amounts of um of migration uh towards the united states i can't remember the exact figures now that we would have included in that show but essentially uh the united states is on the the cusp of being completely overwhelmed um and within a few years, it's expected that there will be something like a, a million refugees arriving at the border every year. Um, and that'll only continue to increase. Um, you linked me to an interview recently, which uh, was t 
Tucker Carlson talking with the president of Honduras. Was that mm. right? Mm -hmm. Which is relevant to this. No, El Salvador. El Salvador. Okay, I apologize yeah. to... Uh... Young guy, 34, 35, I think. Yeah, yeah. Slick talker. Yeah. Um, mm. might Good hair. Kind of looks like a drug dealer, but probably isn't. Um, yeah. Yeah, I feel like he'd grift me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does look like a, he would uh, swindle you and your family, but, I mean, yeah. whatever. Great hair. Great <laughs> let's hair. Try yeah, and yeah. Put, yeah, let's try, we can try and put it aside. But uh, <laughs> but um, anyway, he they were talking about um, the immigration issue, and obviously this is just one man's opinion, but it was an interesting insight to hear from uh, an El Salvadorian talking about how the ease that people are able to move from El Salvador to the, or sorry, relative ease, I should say. It's not an easy trip. It's fucking arduous and expensive and dangerous for these people. But um, the, the access that these people do have to the United States and the knowledge that they can make the journey and find a new home in the US um, and have a relatively high rate of uh, actually getting there um, is really damaging to El Salvador and other Central American countries as well. Because the, pe the people who are more likely to try and make that journey to the United States in pursuit of a better life are people who are characteristically risk takers or they are, they are pro upwards mobility. They're people that are more ambitious um, and are often people who have uh, skill sets that they know will make them employable when they reach the United States as well. So you have large chunks of the population of these Central American countries who could otherwise be helping improve the scenario in their home countries um, are, are bailing to reach the United States uh, in order to be exploited as undocumented workers and also um, place a strain on, on the US population and facilities there. So I... I've only a few years ago, I was someone who would have said, let them in. Um, I am, I still consider myself to be a humanitarian. Um, I think that Australia is an example of a country that needs to be taking in far more refugees. Uh, and Australia's treatment of refugees has been highlighted on this show as being absolutely abhorrent and uh, bordering on torture. Uh, and I mean that literally, I'm not exaggerating. For anyone who is wondering, you can go and look it up and you'll, you'll, be able to find the information but yeah um this this scenario is making me reassess some of my previous positions which is good yeah absolutely it never, is never good to be too confident in oneself yeah i think there's an absolute um, a huge problem if if you are not willing to change your mind about something yeah uh i think it's a, it's an uh, interesting thing to um think about because it kind of fucks people both ways there's always going to be immigrants that do very well you know there's no shortage of them in america and you can see that the uh wealthiest people within america are the ones that have been um strongly air quotes uh conventionally successful uh whatever that means um but for most people it means a good job lots of money are immigrants Right. Mm -hmm. And they succeeded dramatically within the country. But that is such a poor representation because how many times have you gotten to a taxi car and the person driving you around is like a fucking, you know, nuclear physicist or something like that. <laughs> yeah. or, or like a doctor or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's no shortage of those sorts of examples. I remember um, once upon a time having a, a guy that I, for whatever reason, regularly would fucking i don't know he's a cab driver that i regularly got um and he was like i'm pretty sure he was something like that he was like some fucking boss dog physicist from iran and he ended up in uh new zealand and um blah blah, blah in search of a better life all this shit and then struggled in the job market and it's something that i've seen huge amounts of times like people just fucking write you off you know like oh you're from uh you know china and you work for a certain badu who the fuck is badu yeah you know, is that know, even badu, real man yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> Cross that one out. You know, goodbye, Wang. Not not in this fucking company. You know, and it's like that sort of attitude, man, is everywhere. And like I immigrants get so fucked because I th I think you're right. Like there's some risk takers there and there's that like inherent new start a new chapter thing where they like go to a new country and 
and will like work their ass off to to succeed. But also the fucking cards are stacked against them mostly because of just how like you know arrogant and ignorant a lot of uh, <laughs> some of our Western population can be. Um, and how do you respond to that? Yeah, fuck, I don't know. That's a mm. that's a good point. Um, with regards to arrogance and ignorance, I have recently been thinking a lot for for a variety of reasons like prior to reading this uh reading about what we're talking about in the news and i was thinking about the way that uh migrant communities form in new countries and about um the extent to which the i suppose you could say um, indigenous is the wrong word because most of you know a lot of western countries have been colonized but a lot of the i guess uh home or mainstream cultures um do or don't like cross pollinate with with these new arrivals and the way that these cultural or ethnic groups often sort themselves into like enclaves um and first of all i don't know whether or not that's a problem like i, I think a lot of people talk about um you know integration and like how we how can we successfully be like a melting pot society and whatnot but i think like the the idea of a melting pot is probably a wet dream uh, i think it's really overhyped um and then second like i don't know i don't know if you should necessarily encourage that level of integration if that's not what people want because like and maybe i'm speaking really ignorantly here but i i, I really wonder if if when new ethnic groups move and form in the likes of Australia or New Zealand, like how much do you think they want to be integrated into society in New Zealand or, or Australia and be sort of like have these, uh, you know, Western or European customs imposed upon them or adopted? Um, Okay. I'm go- I'm going on a okay. little bit of a spill here, but you 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 know what I'm getting at. Maybe our listeners don't. But there's like this level of sort of like underhanded racism, I think inherent there where we say that we need to like uh open our doors and embrace them with open arms and then do everything we can to like integrate them into our society. Um where often mm. you know our society is um inherently imperialistic um, and kind of uh, ideologically cancerous in the sense that we like to to plant our ideals in other groups and uh and watch them fester so okay um i came over to new zealand when i was about nine years old which doesn't sound like a big leap right going from canada to new zealand that seems pretty uh like both countries should be pretty similar but um it actually was a big jump it was really interesting because the cultures are actually dramatically different and there was like it really fucking sucked i hated it for most of the time growing up here i thought this place fucking sucked and to be honest there's like parts of it that i still think are kind of shitty but you sort of find your own niche of weirdos that you can hang out with Mm -hmm. um present company included of course (laughs) yeah yeah you know and and like you make it work but uh, my parents often would talk about how they really did not like sort of like some conventional Kiwi attitudes and a lot of things I'm sure a lot of responses I bet would be like, well, fuck off back home. You know, you don't like it here. Yeah, of course. Um, which I've heard multiple times and you know, it's just, it's not obviously that realistic and you can't shape a culture to suit you. You just kind of have to like adapt when you're inside of it, I think. Um, but I've, traditionally um dated uh people from not new zealand and uh, one of the things that i've noticed doing that is the varying degrees to which they fit in there's like i dated a middle eastern woman for four years uh and her family had a fucking hell of a time fitting in here you know honestly like it was just so combative but it's combative on both parts man because like um 
their family was all about trying to retain their culture and retain their values and the things and the, the lessons that they thought that would help their children sort of grow and become, um, you know, productive members of society, which clashed a lot, obviously, because it's, you know, uh, when you're a, a Muslim family from the Middle East coming over here, it can be a culture shock to say the least. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and there was a time where I was like going to, uh, you know, hang out in mosques and shit and, the same sort of attitude was there where it was like they have their values and everything and it's just so at odds with this culture and so what do you do do you like try and conform um you know as a canadian coming to new zealand it's a little easier for me because i can sink a purse and um have a good time you know <laughs> even at the age when, of nine <laughs> even at the age of nine yeah uh but as a um you know, if you're like, if the rules of how you live are like fundamentally at odds with the general culture of, of that society, mm. fuck, that would be hard. But also, you know, I don't, I don't know, like, what are you retaining? Like, is it like you're probably going to become multicultural eventually? And what, I don't know. It, it's such a tricky question, right? Because over a longer period of time, do you really want to have like an ethno state? You know, like, is that an attractive option to have? Yeah, yeah. Um, some countries are going that the way of that. Like I've heard Japan's very, uh, you know, hands off to foreigners and mm -hmm. retains their own culture and stuff like that. But so I, um, I have a couple of thoughts off the back of that. I think first of all, uh, it's interesting the way I think you said um, that a lot of people in New Zealand and Australia, and I'd imagine in uh, the United States and the UK, Western Europe. Uh, have that attitude of well if you don't like it you can leave so like if you want to move to this country um, you're going to need to adapt to our cultural norms you're going to have to start to live and behave the way that we want you to or the way that the majority do um, and that's sort of the price you pay for coming here to to work and send money back home and have quote unquote a better life um, <clears throat> but these, these same people that have these opinions keep voting in governments that are pro-globalization and pro-deregulation of the economy, um, which is obviously the one of the core reasons that you see so much immigration and so much um, what you could say displacement of, uh, of the domestic workforce. Um, secondly, I think the idea of an ethnostate, and by saying that, I mean, my interpretation of that phrase is a, a state that is, you know, primarily constructed or made up of one ethnic group or maybe a, a handful of small, uh, similar ethnic groups with very small minorities. Like Japan is a perfect example. Um, Japan, Israel, I guess, would be another one, right? I think like, that's maybe kind arguably. of contentious because there are a lot of palestinians living in israeli territory but the whole um, point of israel was to have like a, yeah 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 like a place for jewish people mm, right yeah. like that I, I thought that was the whole fucking reason behind it because it was like you know the jewish people need their own state hence israel yeah i yeah i think conceptually you could say it's an ethno state but in practice it's not but yeah anyway um obviously like in like modern discourse there's this i think people like wince like you and I just did when you say the term ethno state because it it I think brings racism to mind or people think of racial purity which is obviously a fucking very like dark dark concept um but the idea of complete like multiculturalism it might be partly a result of like colonialism so maybe multiculturalism isn't like the perfect beautiful goal or ideal that we make it out to be and i put emphasis on the word maybe because i i don't know i'm just like thinking out loud but like a lot of the the key sort of tenets of colonialism and western imperialism um from like an economic political and ideological perspective is like the extraction of things that are valuable from colonized territories or cultures uh, and oppressed ethnic groups um so when you have, uh, let's say, let's take, uh, I'll, I'll use Brisbane as an example. Um, you know, people talk about, I, I think Sydney might be a better example, actually. Um, 
rag um, on Sydney for a bit. Yeah, well, no, I'm, I'm not even going <laughs> to rag on it. People talk about Sydney as being like this, like multicultural, like gem sort of. And like Australians, I think, like to extract and draw attention to the things that they like about other cultures. Um, so like you have Chinatown in Sydney where like a bunch of white people love having it there because they have like what's essentially a fucking like human zoo where they can go and like buy Chinese food and go have dinner in a place that feels like China. Um, <laughs> or Yeah, it's like a holiday without going anywhere. It's yeah, sick. yeah. Don't um, even rag on Chinatown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, like you, you walk down the road and you see the prevalence of like Middle Eastern restaurants. Um, a, a lot of um, really great like Asian businesses um, are in Sydney. And I, I think I think those sort of like positive attributes of multiculturalism maybe detract from the idea that groups of people, particularly those who have been victims of colonialism, like probably should have the right to maintain like what you could call an ethno state. Um, and I don't think it's that unnatural or weird for a country to want to like maintain its sovereignty or like its cultural uh, homogeneity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Mm. No, a lot of people think that's really important. Um... <clears throat> yeah, so like uh, people talk about there's like this image that was circulating virally on the internet i i would say maybe like five or six years ago and like maybe maybe it wasn't as viral as i think it seemed like it was and you wouldn't have seen it but it was like this like ai generated um portrait of a man and a woman um like photorealistic and it was um something like the appearance of the average human being by like the year 2050 or something and the idea behind it is that this figure is like completely like racially ambiguous. Um, so they have like blended features. And they have, you know, kind of dark skin, like green or brown eyes or whatever. And they actually looked absolutely beautiful. Um, but it was, it was being like celebrated um, as if erasing racial distinction in terms of people's physical appearance is like a goal that we should pursue. Um, and I just don't know how important that is. I, <laughs> I, you know, and I even, I feel slightly uncomfortable saying this because I, I think a lot of people would misinterpret what I'm saying as being like, like slightly like, uh, Naziistic or something, <laughs> but I'm not advocating for the supremacy or like, or prioritizing of any group over the other. I'm just saying like, why, why are we so obsessed with the idea of like erasing, uh, cultural or ethnic identity mm-hmm. it's weird and i think there are a lot of like processes in place that are like institutionalized which like have that end in mind mm-hmm. um but yeah fuck me i'm just one guy trying to make sense of this world so hey i think it comes down to the place and everything like you know it's just it's so dependent man because there's places that are just like what are you protecting there's nothing there you know it's just like it's already this like hr sanctified corporate cleansed fucking hellscape of you know the same 10 chains (laughs) sell the same 10 goods um and whether you're getting a fucking mckiwi burger or a fucking mccurry <laughs> it like, doesn't fucking matter because it's delivered from the same conglomerate. And in the cases like that, then you know it's fine. But there's also yeah. Then then you go to somewhere like Bali, you know, and you just see like the impact of um, the Australian invasion <laughs> and fucking how much it's like eroding the culture, but also creating this like muted beast of uh, you know like of um, Aussie slash Bali culture. But I don't know, man. It's all eroding and it's all fucking changing and it's just going to be different 100 years from now. You know, like, will these cultures even matter and exist? Like, the only thing you have is transience. I love going to places and seeing that beautiful, old, you know, like 3,000 years of fucking civilization that has existed. But the sands of time are cruel, always eroding away Mm. things that um, you think would exist forever. So it's probably something that you can't stop, but it's something that you certainly is nice to appreciate while it's around, uh, is my observation of it. Yeah. All. 
mm. you know and but then again i don't have a fucking tradition because i'm a shitty immigrant right so i came over here and i would have been a good canadian um and then i saw new zealand values that i clashed with immediately and you know uh, that that sucked and like out the back of it i feel like there's now a new culture that um i've been a part of which is hanging out with all these outcasts and misfits uh and it's creating its own new thing that might be a tradition in the next 50 to 100 years yeah you know? i don't know like that's kind of the interesting thing is this is like people love to look at it as is like a static thing that's existed from like you know the the dawn of time to now but how old in reality are some of these fucking cultures like you know new, new zealand heritage is 200 years old maybe or yeah whatever. i like, mean it and, is and new yeah, zealand around 200 is essentially like you know the first fucking when i say that i mean like you know the colonialists that got off the boat and then basically been hanging around you know it's like it's not that fucking uh yeah, it's <laughs> not that precious. Not that long. You're basically talking about two, maybe three generations of people that have been getting together, having Christmas, having a fucking barbecue, and talking shit about football, and you know, hating on immigrants. Like that's not very long. And if that's some ancient right that you want to hold on to for the next thousand years, <laughs> like okay, go ahead. <laughs> you know, but for me, it just doesn't seem that like like not uh, worth protecting. Sacred. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe it is. Maybe, maybe someone thinks that that's the best thing in the fucking world, and good on them. But I don't look at that, and I, I don't know. It's just my own opinion, so it doesn't seem like a sacred cow to me. But whatever. What do I know? Yeah, I, I um, <laughs> f- f- feel as though I completely um relate to your feeling of not really belonging to any sort of like culture or demographic group. Um, because hmm. like I was yeah born in australia to parents from new zealand and i moved back to new zealand where i just essentially had no meaningful identity and i'm not saying that's a bad thing it's not like poor me but like why would i feel any sort of identity because i'm just some yeah i'm I'm the descendant of of a a mixed bunch of colonists um Mm. in a in a place that we probably don't really understand um and i i think in some sense people like you and i and people in uh former colonies or you could say current colonies depending on you know how you want to wheel it um i think in place of culture we just have like the free market liberalism sort of is our culture Mm. right people i think talk about it as like a political philosophy but it, it plays the role of culture for us like that is the thing to be preserved and to sort of like spread. Um. <laughs> well, culture and tradition are made to be disrupted unless they can stand the test of time. And there's like a concept put out by Nassim Taleb um, that essentially is the longer something can stay in tradition, um, the longer it will stay forever. And that's characterized, I guess, best by like the fact that Greek myths are still so incredibly relevant to so many people and they haven't died. Like the story of Icarus, uh, if you listen to last episode, you find out just how fucking important it is, you know? Um, and that's that's a form of culture, right? That's, that's existed forever. But there's also, I think part of the reason that immigrants do so well in foreign countries is because there's like a rigid boxed approach if you're just following tradition, you know? If um, you're doing what mom and dad did for the last... 30 generations or even let's scale it down the last three generations you know maybe you don't have the out-of-box experience to fucking see where you could do something new that might be beneficial in some way and then that's where multiculturalism comes in you know you have people coming from overseas that look at things differently with a different set of eyes i think it follows the same like um uncaring and indifferent laws of capitalism it's just like you know it, it exists until something better comes along and then it gets ruthlessly eaten and destroyed um and then the new hegemony will take its place whatever that is you know yeah no that's that's a really good point um, um so i wonder yeah so when you frame it that way like it you kind of can conclude that it's not really something that can or should be moralized um as in like if the idea of cultures being 
ever-changing and like inherently sort of uh able or supposed to be broken and destroyed and replaced um but hmm. i'm I'm thinking (laughs) everything should rot and die eventually and through it something new should grow is like my like ultimate stance on a lot of the shit um unless it can stand the forces and tests of time you know yes see i now i think i disagree somewhat because i i think that like that um like globalization and like free market liberalism probably interferes with those processes so like because now we're getting into like a darwinian sort of vibe so it's like like if this culture can't or if culture a can't stand the test of time and the practices of culture b overwhelm and like destroy culture a then culture b like deserves to exist more um but i don't know if that's the case like i would i'd really like and this is why i kind of support the idea of i shouldn't say support i mean i'm uh i'm not opposed to the idea of like the ethno state right because i like the idea of (laughs) of groups of people leaving each other the fuck alone so like i think it's it's extremely sick that japan is just like okay we're gonna have this country and we're gonna like be japanese and yeah sure like we're cool with you guys no problem whatever you be you um come and visit do business with us it's great um but this is very much japan and that's just the way it's going to be um because i I think like you need that bulwark against like the encroachment of of particularly like free market liberalism as like an imposing culture and like obviously japan has has adopted um adopted capitalism and a lot of western values in terms of the way that they structure their economy but i think they've managed to develop like a really cool i guess like hybrid culture you could say um hmm. yeah i like it i i think i i feel yeah i think tradition is really important mm. um i just look at that on like a micro and macro scale like is uh sacred cows are probably going to get slaughtered at some point you know and that might not be a bad thing but it also might not be a good thing the great corporate cleansing has made a lot of cities very similar you know yeah yeah definitely if you live in toronto or sydney or auckland or you know you go to uh singapore singapore you're in the same fucking place whenever you are like that's that's my experience it's like none of those places were particularly like okay I'm in Toronto, my Starbucks is a Tim Hortons, right? It's not, I mean, I could go to Starbucks as well, but you meet at Tim Hortons. You know, if I'm in Sydney, my Tim Hortons is a Starbucks. If I'm in Auckland, my Starbucks is a Starbucks or a coffee culture. But none of those places are very interesting or fucking different. You know, and if I'm in Vancouver, my coffee culture is a Starbucks. But the fucking point is like, it's the same fucking place, no matter where I am. It's like, you know, this is corporate hellscapes they're not that bad they're just boring it's just like i would be you know the behavior is the same i would be really interested to like hear a description of um like western anglo culture from foreigners because obviously it's really hard to uh to self-evaluate and i think particularly when it comes to culture and like here i am saying that oh like our culture is free market liberalism and because i might be completely uh undervaluing and discounting a lot of things that actually are like really important and unique to to uh anglo culture um yeah but yeah i I, like what are some of the things that you think say like an asian person would i mean you probably actually have have spoken to people about this um based on what you said before about your your former relationship um yeah like what do you what do you think are some of the things that they might look at in western culture and be like whoa that's so distinctly a part of your culture here's a part of popular narrative that i ruthlessly disagree with that's that whole like oh white people don't have a culture right corporations don't have a culture is my take on it i don't think corporations have a culture and i think uh that gets like the the top fucking 40 percent of you know america and by extension the rest of the west doesn't have a culture because it's all washed away with hr principles but I grew up in a town of 5,000 people and we had folk festivals and sing-alongs and played country music and people go shooting (laughs) and have weird traditions like, you know, uh, 
going out to the middle of the woods with your fucking land rover or your four by four blasting out um music and raving and if that's what not culture you know then i don't know what the fuck is because it's the same thing when i was in indonesia and you sit down and you watch a monkey dance around while drinking tea and listening to the call of the quran you know it's like i there's culture man it's just not in the fucking cities there's heaps of culture go out to like the middle of um you know some weird little there's a great film that I think touches on this called Wake and Fright. That it's like one of my favorite Australian films. Uh, and, and if you haven't seen it, then check it out. But it's just so classic to me, like of Australian culture, which I love, you know, where it's just like this guy goes to a town um, called like the Yabba. And he's sort of like a, you know, upper fucking market Sydney chap that was, uh, has to teach um, some poor Aboriginal town, whatever, because of, the bondage rules or something that's a whole nother discussion i don't really understand but you probably know a lot about it so it's something to do with teachers and they have to fucking teach at particular schools anyway so he gets stuck in this like shitty little town in um the middle of like fucking nowhere in australia and he walks into a bar and when he's in the bar this guy comes up to him and he's like you know in the yabba and he's just like you know whatever like yeah i guess so and he's just like have a drink and just forces him to like skull a beer and then he's just like, have another. And just, <laughs> and just like, by the time he's like halfway through, he's already like picked up another fucking beer. And he's just like looking at him really intensely. And then the whole movie ends up being this like five day bender that this guy gets suckered into. And it's like thriller. It's not even a fucking comedy. It's like a full blown, mm. like this nightmarish fucking bender. He gets sucked into because of Australian mateism, you know? And it's just like, you meet one person and then they're like your best mate, you know, where, you know, they're just, and you just get sucked into the fucking callous world of like matey behavior where uh you're just sinking tons of piss with this long lost friend of yours um that you've never fucking met you know but you have this like bond and kinship with uh and then the next moment you're fighting or you're doing horrendously heinous acts against the laws of civility you know and like that is so fucking australian culture i love it yeah so, yeah don't, you motherfuckers on Twitter, don't say that white people don't have a culture. There's a beautiful culture around different, <laughs> like around the Anglosphere. Just because your fucking corporate company doesn't have a culture, it doesn't mean the rest of us are sitting around fucking, you know, making sure we're <laughs> acting in accordance with the um, the laws of being a good little labor input. <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting um, that you describe it that way, and I I agree with you. Um, and like. It makes me think that um, so before I, I talked about the way that I think like free market liberalism is sort of like that culture eater <laughs> um, and like I sort of suggested that I guess in the West free market liberalism is our culture and we're like imposing it on most others and in trying to like cannibalize other cultures and take the parts of it that we like but ultimately integrate it into like a, a globalized just liberal democratic world um yeah but yeah I, I agree that like that yeah obviously white people have cultures when you put it that way like it's so obvious um and i i suppose like free market liberalism eats white culture too i think that's the thing like mm. i think free market liberalism is like the ultimate um machine that's just breaking down distinctions um, and yeah. making like a Frank Frankenstein fucking global population out of us all. Um, yeah, it really is. It's the uh, the the undead god of HR is <laughs> like clawing at every possible um, you know hexagon and triangle and uh, polygon that doesn't fit their little square boxes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and reducing them all to um misfits or rednecks or uh um you know troublesome minority groups and it's easy you know the easy target is just like ah fucking fucking redneck white people get rid of them you know (laughs) yeah yeah you're right actually um and yeah i suppose it's just but they everyone man they don't just eat whites they're they uh you know they, they eat all cultures yeah yeah um it's actually it's really funny like 
when while we're on the the track of talking about culture eating um the whole like uh you know woke mob um the twitter gang who so relentlessly pursue and ostracize like white america um i think are probably actually doing more culture eating than white america <laughs> yeah yeah i i think the the real killers of it are the like elites you know um who are a um the, the real killers of it all are the elites um and they're the ones that you know that that just sort of seem to slowly vacuum everything up uh you know and then that's i'm not going to get into a long rant about uh you know like acceptable behavior um but i'm sure you can tell where that rant would go and yes there's already yeah. like you know a huge push for what is acceptable behavior and what's not acceptable behavior um you know and what is allowed and what's not because i mean at the end of the day culture and tradition is messy and it relies on heuristics and heuristics are like uh born out of stereotypes you know what i mean um <laughs> so like the most racist people I know are fucking all immigrants because <laughs> they <laughs> have these, you know, and, and a good example. And it's like, there's a Twitter personality I was following that was like trying to raise the alarm about the fact that black people can't get served in Guangzhou um, and they're not allowed at the restaurants there. And, you know, I don't, I don't hear that story getting thrown around a lot um, in terms of uh, combating the great uh, plague of racism, but um you know maybe we will did you say in guangzhou have, i think it was guangzhou yeah yeah right okay yeah. <laughs> that's fucked up um mean, yeah, well, mean up. chinese yeah. people don't do that serve black people <laughs> and yeah, yeah. each other um so speaking yeah. of uh <laughs> elites eating things uh do you know who gina reinhardt is um she is mining woman right yes she's australia's yeah. wealthiest woman um and one of the that's <laughs> yes. not a fat joke she's yeah. just she, sorry yeah anyway carry on. no i mean she does seem <laughs> as though she has a big appetite um both in terms of minerals and her uh her food intake um yeah <laughs> but he's also one of the world's wealthiest uh women if you uh exclude women whose net worth is counted um as a part of their husbands um that is also not meant to be a stab but it might sound like it was but anyway so this story comes across as like just something that isn't even real but she has uh published a, a joke book called uh <laughs> jokes and joys and she um <laughs> yeah i'm gonna try yeah. and find uh australia's wealthiest woman mining magnate gina reinhardt has gathered jokes quotes and cartoons into a book to bring joy to those doing it tough Miss Reinhardt first began gathering jokes and stories for friends in hospital, which have now been gathered into a book called Jokes and Joys. All profits from the book are going to the Cambodian Children's Fund, Shine Awards, the Royal Flying Doctors Service, and the Country Women's Association. Um, and I'm going to find... Okay, so I'm going to read a couple of examples of her memes and jokes from this book. So one of them... Quote, I am too old to live under socialism. I am addicted to luxuries like toilet paper, electricity, food, clean water, and shoes. Uh, fucking what? <laughs> 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 like, uh, what, what is this? Um, I like pain. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm <laughs> going on. to. I'm trying, I'm scrolling through trying to find some more, um, more direct quotes. But yeah. I may not be able to. I, I'm assuming they can't publish... Uh, much from the book online because of copyright okay so uh quote if you want something said ask a man if you want something done ask a woman there you go yeah um now i'm reading uh these quotes from an article on the australian which isn't known for its um it's uh objective or socially responsible reporting so but i've i've heard that um some of the jokes in this book are pretty pretty racist which is <laughs> hilarious i mean <laughs> racist jokes are not hilarious but it's hilarious that this woman for some reason feels compelled to publish this um, she has uh 
any everything material that you could ask for but uh apparently once more okay now i'm on the guardian and i'll see what they have to say about it um welcome to my world guys of reading the news <laughs> um, yeah. you can as you listen to this you can pretend to be me on the internet um yeah. and that's how fun um okay i i've failed i can't find more right. gina reinhardt jokes but uh um, maybe we can funny. yeah maybe depending on the price we could buy a copy um and uh yeah well <laughs> i mean <laughs> i'm happy that she's putting out work like i'm trying to think is it better that she wouldn't because that's at least like funny for discourse you know and well I, what do you do when I you're said. worth 40 billion dollars you know it's just yeah um, yeah someone to spoke to me about it today and was like oh my god like this is disgusting i can't believe this has happened and i was like well maybe the joke's on all of us because like you know she's having the last laugh and we're all like getting our knickers in a twist over something that is ultimately just silly um but yeah but that's hey. the problem is um there was a push from buzzfeed a while ago to ban uh, or like uh rallying against crocodile dundee um as oh yeah a, i recall this because it's transphobic yeah because it's transphobic because he gooses like a um a uh person in a bar in new york and is shocked you know tell me that australians don't have culture after watching crocodile dundee you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> you tell me that that's not its own culture anyway the point being is like yeah, they were like rallying against that fucking hard. But look, if you're um, shitty at stuff being put out, you know, then the last laugh is on you because you're talking about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It always is. You're always going to be a loser um, being reactive to something. Yeah, yeah. You don't like it? Go make exactly. Your own fucking and that's not like, like, <laughs> like the, to use the word loser in a mean way, but it's like you lost. Like you lost your time and your energy and your focus because this thing got to you um this completely yeah. insignificant and ultimately i don't know incorrect thing like this this book of stupid fucking jokes that like convey absolutely like inaccurate rhetoric um if that's what's getting you worked up then yeah you lost you are a loser like you <laughs> the, you know if you reduce this to like a zero-sum outcome like you are the one that lost you didn't win um yeah so yeah. You know who else lost? Oh, yeah. Please tell me um, who lost. Uh, the Washington Post lost recently. They've lost um, a lot recently. <laughs> they've lost a lot. Yeah, they deserve their own Washington Post. Loser page. Yeah. Online. Yeah, they do. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, there is a uh, move that Trump had made. Um, rest in peace. <laughs> weird living. Yeah, crazy that Trump media. died. Hey. Yeah, how fucked is that? Wow. <laughs> You'd think it would be in the news more. <laughs> yeah, well, I swear to God, it's a lot harder finding fucking good stories now. Um, but whatever. So before he had left uh, the presidency, mm -hmm. he put out a request on, I think it was, um, I can't remember the fucking article entirely, but it was basically like a condition of, uh, I think, one of the stimulus packages was that he wanted all information about ufos to be released yeah what a boss <laughs> what a fucking legend so the washington post had this whole thing about how it's like wasn't you know potentially um like a boss move and was trying to flex was trying to flex like uh this was anything other than the most fucking big dick energy thing that i've read <laughs> but <laughs> And of course, the article was touching on the fact that there's apparently like really big information within this and like the NSA and the CIA didn't want to talk about it because they were worried that this was going to somehow um, be sharing like, um, yeah, sorry, sharing um, secrets that mm -hmm. foreign nationals have against them and everything. And they described that there's planes and objects out there that are faster than the speed of sound um that potentially that don't make sonic booms and all this sort of okay okay shit. dude i am realizing right now that you and i have never fucking talked about ufos yeah i am all over this shit dude i'm fucking right. obsessed with ufos like i 
I know everything that's about to come out of your mouth. Like I, oh, dude, it's fucked. It's it's insane. Even even the the nuggets of information that have been made public are, are mind-boggling and confusing, and it's impossible to make sense of it. Um, and yeah, like th- yeah. There, there's been evidence. Well, I... <laughs> <laughs> there's been evidence that uh, has been released over the past few years that you know confirm um, CIA and NSA operations investigating these strange phenomenons that they can't reach conclusions on. Um, it's it's I'm, I'm stunned as well, because I read the whole thing, and it was like, hey, fucking trip. And I got out of it so much. I was like, God damn, that is the fucking best thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I was really shitty at his departure when he pardoned Lil Wayne and fucking whoever else, and I was just like, what a fucking dickhead. You know, you had one shot, man, to have a legacy forever if you pardoned um, Snowden and and, uh, and Lil Wayne. <laughs> yeah, and you pardoned Lil Wayne. Like, just get <laughs> fucked, cunt. This doesn't make up for that, but it doesn't... It, it's pretty good. It's good. You know? And, like, yeah. after reading the article, I was fucking reaching the same conclusion as you. I was just thinking, what? And they're like, this is not evidence of aliens but you know we don't know what this is and it might be russia <laughs> they didn't say it might be russia but you know it's like it it's not fucking country. russia man it's like bro that and uh you know the new york times came out with this other article recently uh, effectively talking how like the laws of physics are broken as we know it and there might be this whole new um paradigm coming forward so that was like the the, the fucking most litty thing that i've seen in so long this is dropping around june around the time that we are going to be having our um, modern Ooh, UFO show. special. Yeah. Uh, you can tip us $20 and we'll remove one item of clothing. So yes, um, <laughs> one item in total. You can all yeah. tip us $20 and one of us will remove one item of clothing regardless of how many times you tip us. Um, and, <laughs> it'll be, and it'll be the winter in June here. So it'll probably be a hoodie. <laughs> Yeah, um, exactly. See what you get to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, anyway, either uh, you, nobody wants to see that. Either you, the United States is like significantly threatened, like in a in a military sense, or we are being visited, man, by by uh, entities of some sort with with far greater capacities than we can even comprehend. Um, well, maybe both, right? Maybe both, and it's fascinating. Well, that's a good point. That yeah, there's so much secrecy around this, and that they were so shitty about releasing this fucking these documents right and so let's find out how redacted everything is you know mm-hmm. because yeah. they don't want us to be exposed to swear words <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just like 40 paragraphs bleeped out mm-hmm. if i'm saying cunt over and over. so yeah, um but we'll find out apparently even bill clinton during his administration um him and his secretary secretary of state um moved to have a lot of information declassified relating to ufos or aerial phenomenon and we're just flat out told no like the intelligence agencies just like no there's no no way yeah i mean it's it's interesting man um yeah so yeah uh before we wrap up oh one more thing before we wrap up yeah uh the sleeper company um that the current secretary of state is involved with Mm -hmm. uh is talking very heavily about advanced warfare and various other things that they're looking into to bring on to the share market so bring some of that fucking good alien technology up yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah please Please yeah, it'll be do. fucking interesting to see it yeah, because, like, um, you know, this is such a fascinating field in and of itself. You know, and they say white people don't have a culture, and here we are talking. Here we talking are about investigating UFOs. UFOs. Yeah. You know, so put that in your pipe and smoke it. About that before <laughs> yeah. you before you say that. Um, I just realized that we were going to do two episodes this week because we we're going to do the Patreon episode. Yeah. And we, oh, and we didn't. So we'll do that oh, next fuck, week. Oh, fuck, because it's the end of the week. So my brain's so... No, don't, don't be sorry. I fucked it up. I'm the one that went on a holiday. Um, uh, so we'll do we'll do two episodes next week. Um, yeah. And uh, before we go, though, uh, it's worth mentioning that um, New York State is going to pay $2.1 billion to um, undocumented workers because they didn't receive any uh, financial aid during the pandemic. So that's wow. interesting. Um, cool. It's like that is good. Two hundred and seventy-five thousand undocumented workers, uh, who are 
able to receive an average of something like $16,000 each, which is pretty wild. Um, Every now and then, you know, the system pays back. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. What an uplifting note to wrap it up on. Yeah, no. It's not all bad. It's nice. Um, Yeah. So there we go. That was Modern Guilt on your Friday. Uh, (laughs) Have a safe drive. Hit us up. And uh, send us a message. Uh, Like some of you definitely are doing. Um, Yep. uh, Keep it up. Keep up the good work. Go to Patreon as well and uh, subscribe to support us. Five US dollars per month will put a smile on our dials and uh, we'll give you access to our like finance stream i guess you could call it where we coming soon i have looked into the huang folio and that will be released soon i have spent every fucking night this week pouring over the huang folio uh you know i am huang folio now (laughs) you are bill huang i i (laughs) i am become bill destroyer of folios (laughs) (laughs) destroyer of capital um, uh, yeah, so I'm sure at some point when we get our shit together, um, and if Hayden says that it's okay, Daddy Hayden, <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll do a Patreon episode of the Wing mm. Folio because um, it's interesting to me. Yeah, it is so, interesting, and it's interesting to Hayden. It's interesting, it's interesting to, me. to a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and it'll be a good eulogy. He needs a send off. Um, you know, we, we gave hey, him one. Hey, but... a eulogy is not the right word, dude. He is alive and kicking. Don't don't write him off. Oh, fuck it. He's coming back in a big way. Coming well, I mean, back just... like fucking Gandalf, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stronger and better. Sl- Harder, better, faster, stronger. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's insane, which just makes me like him even more, you know, because I watched a few interviews with him. Oh, true. Like, that's that's yeah. outstanding. <laughs> um, like, okay, that's good. I'll watch a few as well. I'm glad yeah, ch- that check it out. he's insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like a much more based way than than kathy woods you know kathy woods talks a lot about destructive innovation whereas bill huang just is like you can see the eyes of god <laughs> dictating capital like wow and putting it towards streaming companies and i don't know what his plan is but <laughs> it's just like <laughs> i'm so on board with that yeah. kind of energy you know fuck yeah um, anyway all right well let's wrap it up um Thanks for listening. Share the podcast with your your homeboys, your homegirls, your your home people uh, who don't have genders, and also with your mum and your aunties. And um, and uh, that's that's probably that's probably it. That's all you should share it with. Don't share it with uh, with other people. Like like the mailman, he won't he won't like modern guilt. Uh, he might. I've met some pretty fucking loose units out there. Right? Uh, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, share it around. But hit us up, mostly. You know, we're lonely. Yeah. We're, yeah, yeah. Call lately. <laughs> we are so unbelievably lonely. <laughs> you couldn't back. comprehend. <laughs> Text back hey, or else. Love. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Let's call it a day. All right. Peace out, Peace everybody. Out, Thanks for listening. Bye. See you next week. Peace. Thank you.